It's my pleasure to be joined this morning by the 67th State Comptroller for the state of Connecticut, Sean Scanlon, joining us today to update what's going on with the state's finances. Sean and I have something in common. Sean, you and I have both held the Yukon National Championship Trophy. What was your story about that? I was a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, that's not something you want to drop or get messed up, but uh, really honored to uh, to hold that thing. Not uh, because I earned it, but uh, because I just got to be in the presence of the greatness of that team. <laughs> yeah, that was after the victory parade, wasn't it? It was awesome. I mean, I, I'm uh, as a Connecticut kid born and raised who's lived here all my life, it was kind of a bucket list day for me to walk in that parade and be standing and hanging out with that team as they got to experience that. Let's talk about the recently concluded legislative session and some of the things that have gone on since that time. In fact, Monday, the big story about the funding to remediate Hartford's North End sewage systems, you joined the governor and the DEP commissioner, Katie Dykes, to announce funding for that. Tell me the background of that and how important it is. Well, listen, uh, you know, I think as your listeners know, uh, our infrastructure in the United States is aging and our climate is changing. And those two things happening at the same time is not great for all of us here in Connecticut and in the United States. And so we're working very hard in terms of government, whether it's at the local level or the state level, to try to speed up our infrastructure to meet the changing needs of our communities. And Flooding is something that in the north end of Hartford in particular has been very, very bad lately because the MDC, which is basically their sewer delivery system, the pipes in some cases were built in the early 1900s. And so I uh, was there with the governor this uh, week to announce that my office is you know, running this pilot program to help get people some money if they had some flood damage to their homes because of that MDC infrastructure. And I think you may see uh, this program expand to different communities in the state if, in fact, uh, you know, we can make this a success. But I think at the end of the day, we just got to do better about our infrastructure, and the governor is certainly working on that. Sean, you led negotiations for the deal between the Connecticut Municipal Employees Retirement System, the reform bill passed the House and the Senate. Tell me how that works out and what it means in the long haul. Yeah, I took office as the comptroller in January, and they told me that we had a really big problem that our pension was in trouble, and this is the pension system that uh, it's for the municipal employees, so cops, firefighters, public works employees in 107 of our 169 towns. And weirdly, the pension system is not run by those towns, it's run by my office. And in the last five years alone, the rates that the towns had to pay into that system had gone up by 75%, which is just unsustainable for a lot of communities in Connecticut, and particularly in rural Connecticut. Um, and so uh, I put together a working group of Democrats and Republicans, labor unions and, and municipal leaders. And over the course of six weeks in my office, pretty tough negotiations, we came up with a deal that was then, as you said, passed by the legislature, just signed into law yesterday by the governor, uh, that will save those communities $740 million over the course of the next 30 years and about, in some cases, millions of dollars starting this year. And, um, you know, no compromise is ever easy, and not everyone was happy with this, but we, in my opinion, shored up the finances of that fund and protected it in the long run, and that's kind of what I do every day as the comptroller. I'm the fiscal guardian and fiscal watchdog of Connecticut, and pension reform is not something that's been done in Connecticut since 1947, uh, so proud of the fact that we were able to get that done. Such an important program, and one thing that got my attention when you just talked about was Republicans and Democrats. We talked about this yesterday when the governor checked in, 
And that's the bipartisan aspect. For him, talking about the bipartisan agreement, getting the budget done, and that sounds like it happened here, too. How do you bring both sides together in such a polarizing political climate? The honest answer is you just try. And I think um, too often politicians, there's no incentive anymore to work together because in some ways we're such a polarized society that, you know, I, as a Democrat, I just got to get my base riled up and they got to get their base riled up. And that's enough to win an election in most districts, especially at the national level. Here in Connecticut, we still work together a lot. And we have not seen some of that toxic partisanship that you see down in Washington or other states here in Connecticut. And I think that that's because we do both sides make an honest, good faith effort to work together. Listen, we're not going to always agree on everything. That's democracy, and that's okay. We don't have to agree on anything. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, but when we can find common ground, I think the most people in Connecticut actually want the politicians to work together. Sure, there's people on the far left and far right that all they want to do is beat the other side up. But I think the most people in Connecticut who barely follow politics, who hate how partisan it is, who hate how dramatic it is, they like the fact that we can work together, and whether it's me reforming our pension system for the first time in my entire lifetime or the governor getting a bipartisan deal to cut taxes, I think that shows that Connecticut has our act together and we're not involved in some of the craziness that's happening elsewhere in the country. Another program you're involved with, Sean, is getting more people to work for the state government. Tell me about an act concerning pathways to the state employment and something which is going on later this morning in Milford. Yeah, so it's it's not just about getting people to work for the state. The, the whole notion is this. Um, 60% of the people in our state don't have a college degree. Uh, and I'm the first person in my family, literally since both sides came to this country, uh, to earn a college degree. And there's a lot of people who don't have one. But that doesn't mean that they don't have skills or experience and things to offer. And a lot of times, whether it's at the state government level or even in the private sector, we have arbitrary college degree requirements for jobs that really don't need them. And so what I'm trying to do with the Republican state senator, again, going back to bipartisanship named Ryan Fazio, is to try to get both the state and the private sector to look at the jobs that they're hiring right now and to see, hey, do I really need to have this job have a college degree? Um, or can I look at somebody and say, hey, you have 20 years of experience in manufacturing. You may not have a piece of paper in uh, a degree, but you've got a lot to offer my company, and we're going to remove that college degree requirement and get more people to work in Connecticut. And I think that that's an overall good thing for our economy here in the state. The story in the news today is about the Connecticut Baby Bond Program, which is officially launching this weekend. The program will provide any child born under the state's low-income Husky health coverage plan with a $3,200 bond at birth. That's not really under your bailiwick, but just tell me your thoughts on that as the state comptroller. Yeah, I mean, first of all, i got to just give a shout-out. Uh, our previous state treasurer, Sean Wooden, was the guy who really brought this program to the bear, and they passed it a couple years ago. And his successor and my really good friend, Eric Russell, who's our current treasurer, picked up the torch and has been running with this. And uh, later today, he and the governor are going to announce that they are starting this program July 1st. And listen, the whole, the whole idea behind this is, um, you know, some people, uh, a lot of people actually, are not born on third base, right? And I certainly was not one of those people. Uh, and, you know, uh, when you get later in your life and it's come time to try to go to college or maybe college not for you to our last point, and you want to go get a, a certificate in welding or you want to buy your first home or you want to propose to your girlfriend, whatever it is, 
you don't necessarily have the ability to call up mom or dad and say, hey, can I borrow some money? Or, hey, uh, you know, can I, can I take out this loan for something? Um, the idea behind this is that any child born into poverty, meaning that they're born into, as you said, the Husky Medicaid program, which, by the way, I have to say, uh, a lot of those people are in rural Connecticut. There's a sort of misconception that everyone on Husky is in urban centers. That's actually not true. Statistically, almost half the people that are on Husky are in rural parts of eastern Connecticut, for example. Um, they get set aside some money, and then when they turn 18 and want to go do one of those things that I just mentioned, that money has been invested properly for them and is going to be there for them. It's the first state, I think, in the country that's done this, and I think it's uh, a really innovative way to try to tackle poverty and try to give people uh, you know, a, a little bit of a, a helping hand when they're starting out their life. Sean, I went back to your Twitter feed. That's when I saw the picture of you holding the National Championship trophy. And back in February, right after you got inaugurated, you, t- you tweeted, no one should go into debt because they got sick and went to the doctor. This year, Connecticut can and should be the first state in the nation to cancel medical debt. Meanwhile, a few weeks ago, Governor Lamont and the Connecticut Hospital Association announced an agreement on health-related legislative policies that will reduce health care costs for Connecticut families and improve the delivery of care in the state. Just give a couple thoughts about the governor's health care bill. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I do believe what I said in that tweet, and uh, the governor did get a medical debt cancellation bill passed, though not as much money as he wanted, but it will help people get out of debt. And I know there are a lot of conversations out there, and people say, well, why are we canceling debt for people? They decided to take this on. This is very different than student loans, where somebody says, hey, I'm willingly going to sign up and take this debt, and now I want you to cancel it. I don't think a lot of people uh, you know, think that that's fair necessarily. This is totally different. This is the idea that you wake up one day, you have a heart attack, they take you to the hospital, and next thing you know, you got a $30,000 bill for something you didn't plan for. It's not necessarily uh, your fault. You have an emergency surgery, you name it. What happens? You go into debt, and it's a cycle that you can never get out of. Uh, and this is a one-time cancellation of that debt. They work with a nonprofit. That nonprofit works with you. They try to figure it out, and you get out from under something that is not a fault of your own. I think that's a really, really good, innovative thing that the governor put forward. My bigger thing, though, and the thing we talked about yesterday, is prescription drug costs. This is something that I have spent a lot of time in my career trying to figure out. I, as a legislator, passed a bill capping the cost of insulin for people in Connecticut at $35 a month. I created the first drug transparency law in Connecticut that's trying to rein in these costs. But what we did yesterday is the governor and I worked together on a bill that passed, and he signed into law yesterday that will allow my office to create the very first prescription drug discount card that's open to every single resident in Connecticut that will help them save money at their pharmacy counter. This is super wonky, Wayne, but really quick how it works is that um, as the comptroller, uh, I oversee the largest employer-sponsored health plan in Connecticut. 300,000 people get their insurance through my office. And we have a $300 million drug card compact uh, with CVS where they buy drugs for us and, you know, we work with them. So we are going to give the leverage that we have and the savings that we get from working with CBS and confer those to all people in Connecticut and work with a couple of states to do it. But at the end of the day, uh, what your listeners need to know is that with that card, which we will uh, make available to people later this year, and I'm going to announce in a few weeks how they can get it and, and how it works, they will save up to 80% estimated on their generic drugs costs and 20% on the brand name drugs. So for the senior who's listening, for the family who's listening, who says, you know, listen, drugs are just out of control, expensive and unaffordable. Help is coming soon in the form of this drug discount card and 
stay tuned for more information about how you can actually get that soon. You are a busy man. In fact, uh, you'll be on Broad Street in Milford today promoting My CT Savings, which has a deadline to enroll of August 31st. What is My CT Savings? So half of the workers in Connecticut do not get offered a retirement plan at their job. And what we know is that people are much more likely to save and put aside money when it's sort of out of sight, out of mind, coming out of your paycheck every week. And so what we did a number of years ago is pass a law that created this program called MyCT Savings that allows small businesses like the ones that my mom ran when I was growing up that never could afford to give her workers retirement or even health insurance just because it's very hard for small businesses to do that. It allows them to offer this retirement plan to their employees at no cost to that business uh, and help us uh, help their employees save for retirement. Uh, when I took office in January, we had only 800 companies that were signed up for this. As of today, we're at almost 4,500. I'm really, really proud of that. I think it's making a big difference. We've signed tens of thousands of people up to start saving for the retirement for the first time. It's never too early or too late to start saving. This is a really, really bad issue in our society because all the boomers, uh, like my parents' age, who are now getting set to retire, they're getting older. Most of them don't have any savings, and so security is not enough for them. It's a big, big strain on our society, on younger generations who you know, they call it the sandwich generation where you have to take care of your kids but also your elderly parents. Uh, and if we can get more people to start saving earlier, we can avoid that going forward. Uh, I'll be in Milford today talking about this. But if you're out there listening and you have not yet signed up for this, um, you have to go to mycdsavings.com by August 31st and either tell us whether you offer our retirement plan to your employees or sign up for the program. If your employees don't want to do it, it's optional. They can opt out at any time, but you have to go to mycdsavings by August 31st. Sean, a week ago today, you hosted the LGBTQIA plus healthcare summit at Middlesex Community College. Tell me about that series of roundtable discussions. Yeah, every month, uh, you know, like I said, I run this big health plan in Connecticut. Healthcare is the reason I ran for office as a state rep and now as comptroller in the first place because I really, really want to make healthcare more accessible and affordable for people. I had some struggles earlier in my life with healthcare, as did my mom when she was raising me, and I just want to make it better. And I think we are trying to make it better, but it's a hard thing to do. It takes time, and it's really complicated. And so what I'm doing every month is I'm sitting down with 50 or 60 stakeholders and really, uh, you know, key people to talk about different problems within healthcare. Last month, I was up at UConn in stores uh, talking about rural healthcare with the CEOs of the, uh, you know, hospitals up there and doctors and advocates. And um, what the end goal of this is that uh, next year, I'm going to put out a report, having heard from all these people, having put together the Comptroller's Healthcare Cabinet on recommendations of how we can make healthcare better in Connecticut. And I hope that people will pay attention to that report and that we can actually use some of the recommendations of that report to make it better for people in Connecticut. Lastly, Sean, you've just issued the office's latest economic outlook for the state of Connecticut. What are some of the highlights of that? Well, look, you know, we continue to see a big turnaround, and I want to give the governor a lot of credit for that. Um, uh, there was a bipartisan budget we passed in 2017 right before he took office that I think set up a lot of the financial success we're having. We're talking about five straight years of budget surpluses, a record rainy day fund that's at $3-plus billion. It's never happened before in the state of Connecticut. 
We've paid down over $7 billion of our pension debt in just the last two years alone. And the governor has been a really big force as part of this to try to change that culture and make us think about that fiscal responsibility a little bit more. Um, that enabled the largest tax cut ever to get passed a few weeks ago, which will be impacted by literally everybody in Connecticut, pretty much. Uh, and, um, you know, at the same time uh, that our budget is going well, we're seeing economic growth in Connecticut for the first time in a long time. And uh, last year, we were 17th in the nation in GDP growth. And the previous year before that, we were in the low 40s. And so we got a lot of work left to do. Nobody is saying mission accomplished. Um, but I think we're giving people the confidence that Connecticut has fixed a lot of the systemic problems that we are facing. We're fixing our pension funds. We're paying down our debt. We've gotten our budget in order. And we're making Connecticut a more attractive place so that the businesses that are here, they want to stay here. And frankly, the businesses that are not here, uh, who were a little maybe scared of Connecticut because they kept hearing that we had all these big problems, they will have the confidence to come and invest here. We see that every day. The governor's working on that literally every day. And I think you're starting to see some results based on the turnaround that we're seeing when it comes to our economy and our fiscal stability. Sean, always good to catch up with you. Thank you for the update this morning. Good talking to you, Wayne, as always. See you soon. That is Connecticut State Comptroller Sean Scanlon on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.